Hey guys, welcome back to Late Night Murder. This is part two of the House of Horrors, the Cleveland monster, the literal human piece of garbage we're talking about, or Ariel Castro, whatever you want to call him. Just like in part one, this episode's trigger warning contains domestic violence, kidnapping, sexual assault, rape, as well as animal abuse, so listener discretion is advised. All right, let's give him a quick recap. Okay, so we have Michelle Knight, who is 21, abducted in 2002. And then we have Amanda Berry, who is abducted in 2003, just before her 17th birthday. And we have Gina De Jesus, who is abducted in April of 2004 at the age of only 14. And they are all being held captive in Ariel's house. They are being sexually abused and just fucking tortured by this man. Okay. If you haven't listened to part one, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to that first. Shall we jump back into it? Yeah, let's get back into it. I, I really want this guy to get what's coming to him. I know. Okay. So we are up to it being 2006. All three girls are missing. The only cases that have been linked to each other are Amanda and Gina's because they were taken from the same neighborhood. Okay. In September of 2006, a 35-year-old man named Matthew Hurrit, H-U-R-A-Y-T, is arrested after police receive a tip that Gina's body is buried under his garage. Okay. However, as you can assume, the search of his home yielded nothing. Yeah, I bet that was weird for that guy. He was probably like, "What? What? What? How did they link him to them?" Well, or is that just a tip? It's just a tip. Um, he was a registered sex offender, though, so okay. I don't know if it was like a disgruntled neighbor that's like, "Oh, he's doing weird shit." I bet it's a, it's got to do with that that thing. Yeah. Okay. So, on Christmas Day in two thousand and six. Ariel actually forced Michelle to assist in the birth of his and Amanda's child. Oh, my God. Which, if you do math, Amanda is 20 at this point. That is... (sighs) The birth took place in a small inflatable swimming pool, and Ariel threatened to kill Michelle if the baby did not survive. Oh, my God. Yeah. At one... After the birth... The baby actually stopped breathing. However, Michelle was able to resuscitate her. Oh, my God. Which, can you imagine? You're not medically trained to deliver a child. I mean, you had one yourself. No, this is all just a, a new level of insanity. It's horrible. Here. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So all these women are living in adjoining rooms. Some of them are even sharing rooms. That's just... Uh... They're not allowed to talk to each other. Like, Ariel would physically beat them and rape them more. I just can't believe that this guy is just, he's like going to work. It's like just a normal. He's driving a fucking school bus. Yeah, he's just like a a normal day to him. Yeah. Good God. He just wakes up, goes to work, comes home, sexually assaults these three girls, beats them, does whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's horrible mm-hmm. all right let's put them away now so this baby amanda and his which i'm not even gonna it's amanda's baby yeah 
Amanda's baby is named Jocelyn. Okay. And Ariel would actually take Jocelyn out of the house, including to visit his own mother, Jocelyn called Ariel Daddy. Okay, but who's he telling is the, the mother of this child? A new girlfriend. Oh, okay, that just nobody has met then? Yeah, like the girlfriend's just at work or she's busy or whatnot. Well, that's fucking bizarre. So she trusts Ariel to watch her kid. Yeah. I wouldn't trust Ariel to tie my shoe. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah. So, yeah, so Jocelyn called Ariel daddy. She actually would call Ariel's mother grandma, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes you want to scrub your skin with, like, bleach, doesn't it? Yeah. At least the inside of your brain. Yeah. You don't have these facts. Anyway, so... Life, unfortunately, goes on how it's always been going on for these girls. Okay. Amanda and Jocelyn lived in one room in the house upstairs, and Gina and Michelle lived in another. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. On July 6th, 2007, Mm -hmm. another girl from Cleveland named Ashley Summers, who is 14, just like Gina was when she disappeared... Ashley disappears without a trace from the same neighborhood that Amanda and Gina had. Her disappearance is really what puts the citizens of this neighborhood on edge and attracts even more media attention to all three girls' cases. Yeah, what the fuck is going on? However, even with this more media coverage and everything, there are no leads on any of the girls' cases. In April of 2009... The FBI actually publicly state that they suspect that Amanda Berry, Gina De Jesus, and Ashley Summers have all been kidnapped by the same man. And remember, by this point, Michelle's been out of the missing person database for six years. Right. And, you know, how are you, how is he so good at covering up what a piece of shit he is to everybody else? I don't know. It's got to be like that carpet compartmentalizing this is like ridiculous because no one's is suspecting him when he's that big of a piece of shit yeah closed doors it's terrible makes my skin crawl i know so we're gonna flip back a little bit to grimalda remember ariel's ex-wife how she had that inoperable brain tumor Mm -hmm. from the blood clot that he caused yeah so in correspondence with this tumor Grimalda actually passed away in April of 2012. Oh, no. Yep. Damn it. So So what about the kids then? The kids did not go to Ariel. Okay, good. That's I don't know exactly where they went, but I do know they did not go to Ariel. Oh, thank goodness. So I don't know if they went with her family or into state custody. I'm betting they probably went with her family just because she has filed so many things against him. Either way, it's got to be better than going yeah. with that asshole. Mm-hmm. In January of 2013 now. Okay, we're creeping up on like like real close to now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this is a ridiculous amount of time at this point. At this point, Michelle has been in captivity for 11 years. Amanda has been in captivity for 10 years. And Gina has been in there for nine. Oh, my God. Gina, who was 14, is now 23 at this point in the timeline. So in January of 2013, a prison inmate who lived in Tremont, which is a subsection of Cleveland, 
kind of near where Ariel's home was. The inmate's name is Robert Wolford. He actually claimed that he had information about where to find Amanda's remains, which we know is bullshit. Yeah, he's just using that to what, reduce his sentence or something Probably, shitty like yeah. that. But the police don't know what we know. Right, So they're course. like, all right, tell us where, take us there. So Robert leads police to an empty lot on Cleveland's west side where police conducted a search that turned out to be fruitless, as we know it mm-hmm. would have. Luckily, you'll enjoy this somewhat. Uh, Robert actually gets sentenced to four and a half extra years for obstruction of justice, making a false statement, and making a false alarm. Well, that's what you get. Yep. So he got extra years added because he's a lying sack of shit, too. What the hell were you thinking was going to happen? Is he like, oh, well, I'll just take a guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that neighborhood where he took police is known for, like, body dumping. I don't know much about Cleveland. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by it. I'm just taking a guess. Yeah. So that was January of 2013. Okay. Let's skip forward to May of 2013. So on May 6, 2013, Ariel leaves the home earlier in the day, and Amanda realizes that he had left the big inside door unlocked, although the exterior storm door was bolted. So, like, the house door was unlocked, but the storm door, like the screen door, is locked. Okay. Let's get get out of there. Mm-hmm. However, even with this, Amanda did not attempt to break through the door because she thought Ariel was quote-unquote testing her, as he had done in the past. They're so scared of him. I know. Anybody would be scared, though, at that point. Yeah. It just sucks. And, I mean, now Amanda has a six, almost seven-year-old daughter in that house, too. Yeah. Jocelyn is almost seven at this point. How the hell does he go that long without introducing the mother of that child? I don't know. This shit is so weird. I don't know. I read a couple reports saying that the girlfriend had, he told people that the, you know, big air quote, girlfriend had left him and left him with the child. Ariel had a reputation for testing the women that he was keeping captive. And if they attempted to escape, he beat them. Like he would leave some doors unlocked, some locked. But if you got through one unlocked door, you'd find a locked door kind of situation. Yeah, and then he'd just know that you tried. He'd be right there waiting. Yeah. Horrible. Mm -hmm. Like he would pretend to leave the house, like make all the sounds, everything, and then just go to a different part in the house. So when the women got to that point, he would find them and beat them. Terrible. So Amanda, there's a couple different reports on how this went. Some of them say Amanda goes to check out the door finally, or... Other ones also say that since Jocelyn was able to kind of roam the house more than the women were, she had Jocelyn go see if Ariel was gone, like if he was actually gone, which I believe that one more. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. But then also, like, I don't know, she's six, right? Right. So, I don't know. Either way, Amanda realizes that Ariel is actually gone. So she goes to the storm door. She goes out the big inside door, the normal house door, and starts banging and screaming on the screen door. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah. I know you just like sat up in your chair. You grew two inches just now. Yeah. So neighbor Angel Cordero 
responds to the screaming of Amanda, goes over to the door, however, was unable to communicate with her because he spoke very little English. Oh, shit. However, around this time, neighbor Charles Ramsey then joined Angel over at the house, and he spoke English and was like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Amanda's frantic, trying to get out of the house, like, help me. I've been trapped in here. I don't know how long I've been in here. Help me get out of here. But the storm door is locked. Both Charles and Angel both start kicking a hole through the storm door. Oh, good. To get Amanda out. Amanda is able to finally get out by crawling through the hole that they had made while carrying Jocelyn and is actually able to use Charles's phone to alert police. Fantastic. Yep. Good, good. During her phone call with police, Amanda knew just what to say to. She said, quote, help me. I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm here. I'm free now, end quote. Oh, th- so police officers respond to Ariel's house. They mm-hmm. find Amanda outside. However, they don't see the other girls, the other women now. They're still in the home. So responding police officers get to Ariel's house. They enter the home. As they're walking through the downstairs and the upstairs, they're going through a hallway upstairs, you know, with like their guns drawn. They don't know what they're going to find. Announcing themselves that they're a part of Cleveland Police Department. After peeking out from a slightly open bedroom door, Michelle entered the hallway and literally jumped into an officer's arms, repeatedly saying, quote, you saved me, you saved me, you saved me, end quote. Yeah, I. that would be the best thing you've ever heard, that the police are there. Yeah. I wouldn't believe it at first, though. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't blame them for being hesitant. Oh, definitely not, but that's so good. Yeah. Uh, soon after Michelle comes out, Gina then enters the hallway from another room, and she's rescued as well. I'm so, I'm so glad that these girls made it. That's just... Mm-hmm. So while police are... Dealing with everything happening at Ariel's home, uh, police or other officers are busy arresting not only Ariel Castro, who is 52 at this point, but also his two brothers, Pedro, who is 54, and O'Neill, who is 50. Okay. Good. Yeah, go get them. Yep. Michelle, Amanda, Jocelyn, and Gina are all taken to the hospital, and everyone's relatively physically fine good we're not gonna go into super details about what happened to them in captivity because enough of it is horrible i'm just gonna hit a couple key things okay uh so the women were all kept in locked bedrooms like i said amanda and jocelyn shared one bedroom one tiny mattress that was on the floor and just covered with Nasty shit from all the sexual assaults, eating there, living there, not leaving the bedroom. And Michelle and Gina shared the exact same setup in a different room. Fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. If they needed to go to the bathroom, they were forced to use plastic toilets in the rooms that were quote unquote emptied infrequently. It's like they would overflow. They weren't able to be flushed, that sort of thing. He wouldn't even let them go to the actual restroom. Yeah. This fucking guy, I... I know. The women were fed one meal a day and allowed to shower twice a week at most if they had been doing, like, quote-unquote, good behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Michelle would later tell police that Ariel had actually impregnated her at least five times during her captivity and had induced miscarriages each time. He would do this through beatings, hitting her with dumbbells, punching her, as well as slamming her against walls. Oh, this is so fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. It was also alleged that he would starve her to force her body to terminate the pregnancy. These beatings were so brutal that Michelle actually permanently lost hearing in one ear and allegedly had to have plastic surgery to fix her face. Oh, my God. Yeah, because it, it had healed wrong over the 11 years of abuse that she had suffered. So fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. At one point, Ariel had actually gotten Michelle a dog mm-hmm. before Amanda was brought into the picture. So when Michelle was still the only one in the home. She actually had a dog for a little bit. She said this dog was her lifeline. It's what got her through. She loved this dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Ariel killed it one day by snapping its neck right in front of Michelle after the dog bit him while he was trying to attack Michelle. Of course. Yeah. Of course. You fucking... <sighs> had to even, even do some animal abuse in there. That's fucking yeah. awesome. God damn it. Had to throw that in. Mm horrible human being mm-hmm. so what are we doing are we, are we hooking him up to the electric chair or what what's going on we'll get there we'll get there all of these happenings is how the house on seymour would get the name house of horrors yeah i would say that's pretty pretty mm-hmm. fucking fitting uh diaries were actually kept by these women throughout the years of torture and captivity uh the diaries mention forced sexual conduct, of being locked in dark rooms, of anticipating the next session of abuse, of the dreams of someday escaping and being reunited with their family, of being chained to walls, of being held like a prisoner of war, of missing the lives they once enjoyed, of emotional abuse, of his threats to kill them, of being treated like an animal, of continuous abuse, and of desiring freedom. Uh So it was really fucky what he did. Um, he would sexually assault them and then throw money at them and say, oh, get the fuck out of here. Like, all you wanted was your money. You're like, you're a stupid whore. Like, he's fucking a lunatic. Yeah. But then these women would keep the money because he would make them pay for things like soap. And In the house? In the house, like soap and diaries and... This fucking guy's got to go. I need to hear something good real quick because I'm starting to get really irritated here. So let's get to this I'm app. being honest with you. Like, like I am, I, I, I'm getting, my blood is boiling here. You know, your face is red. Yeah, I believe it. So let's get to this asshole's arrest. Okay, let's do it. Did they accidentally shoot him? What happened? <laughs> so... As we know, Ariel is arrested on May 6, 2013, like the day the girls are saved. Good. I'm glad there was none of that manhunt bullshit. They found him. Good. Yep. He is originally charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape on May 8th, which carry prison sentences of up to 10 years to life in prison. That's That's not enough. Nope. Just 10 years to life. Castro's brothers that were... Arrested with him, Pedro and O'Neill. 
were also initially taken into custody, like I had said. However, they were released on May 9th after police announced they had no involvement with the kidnappings, which they didn't. We know that. Okay, that's good. And the charges against the two brothers were subsequently dropped. Good. Ariel makes his first court appearance at the Cleveland Municipal Court on May 9th, where bail is set at $2 million per kidnapping charge adding to a total of $8 million. You ain't going fucking nowhere. Mm-mm. Prosecutors also intended to seek the death penalty for Ariel. Good. Additional charges were reported to being pending at this point, including aggravated murder for the intentional induction of miscarriage in Ohio, attempted murder, assault, a charge for each instance of rape, and a kidnapping charge for each day each captive was held. Wow, good. Holy shit. All right, now we're talking. And they have the diaries from the girls over the years. Yeah, plus they have all the girls. Yeah. Well, like, where they're doing each instance of rape. Yeah, so it's a a detailed account of Mm -hmm. everything. Good. On May 14th, Ariel's attorney said he would plead not guilty to all charges if indicted for kidnapping and rape. Okay. I'm going to butcher the name of this, so I'm sorry in advance, but it's a Cuyahoga County Grand Jury returned a true bill of indictment against Castro on June 7th. A true bill of indictment is they had no amendments. They are indicting him on everything. Good. This contained 329 counts of charges. Good. Including two counts of aggravated murder under different sections in Ohio criminal code for his role in the pregnancies. Uh-huh. Uh, these indictments, however, only covered the period from August 2002 to February 2007 at this point. Okay. And this is June 7th. So he's only been in custody for a month. Uh, The county prosecutor, Timothy J. McGinty, stated that the investigation is still ongoing and that any further findings would be presented to the grand jury. McGinty said that pursuing a death penalty specification would be considered following completion of indictment proceedings. Okay. After entering a not guilty plea for Ariel on June 12th, one of his attorneys, Craig Weintraub, said that although some of the charges against Ariel were indisputable, like, you know, the kidnapping ones. Yeah. Yeah. The all, every, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. He said, quote, it is our hope that we can continue to work towards a resolution to avoid having an unnecessary trial about aggravated murder and the death penalty, end quote. Okay. That sucks. Sorry about it. Uh-huh. He also noted that, quote, We are very sensitive to the emotional strain and impact that a trial would have on the women, their families, and this community, end quote. And that's the the defense attorney talking? Yes. He says we don't want the women to go through any more trauma, Uh so let's just call it good. Yep. Horrible. I would say, sorry, sir, you can kiss my ass. Yeah. Those women have been through fucking... Things no one should ever I go through. I think they should decide what this man yeah, Exactly, exactly. So, of course, they did a psyche eval on this guy mm-hmm. to try to deem him mentally incompetent. 
Yeah, and then he didn't even place, right? Like, he just is just so far out of this fucking, of his brain that they couldn't even figure it out or what? Actually, Ariel was found competent to stand trial on July 3rd. Oh, good. Excellent. On July 12th, the new charges were taken to the grand jury, Mm -hmm. and they returned another true bill of indictment for the remainder of the period from February of 2007 till the girls were rescued in May of 2013. Okay. Do we have like a total here? Yeah, it brought the total to 977 counts. All right. Wow, good. Yep. There were 512 counts of kidnapping. Mm-hmm. 446 counts of rape, seven counts of gross sexual imposition, six counts of felonious assault. Fucking asshole. Three counts of child endangerment. Mm-hmm. Two counts of aggravated murder, and one count of possession of criminal tools because he had chains and all of that other shit that he would use to tie up these women. Mm-hmm. On July 17th, Ariel pleaded not guilty to this expanded part of the indictment. So he has pleaded not guilty. Oh, he just to... says he didn't do any of it. Yep. Okay. At this point, he faces death by lethal injection if convicted on all of the charges. Okay. Which is what you want. That's what I want. Eventually, on July 26th, Ariel changes his plea. Mm-hmm. He pleads guilty to 937 of the 977 charges against him, including charges of kidnapping, rape, and aggravated murder. Okay, as... so he he, play, he changes his plea to guilty, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, he suddenly remembered that he did do all that shit, huh? Well, it was part of a plea bargain. Uh, of course it was. Which called for the consecutive sentence of, can you guess? Life. Plus a thousand years. Well. All without parole. They took death off the table. Took death off the table, huh? And gave him life plus a thousand years with no parole. So under this plea deal, Ariel also forfeited his right to appeal his case and could not profit in any way due to his crimes. He also forfeited all of his assets, including the Seymour Avenue house, which prosecutors said would be demolished. I would certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. Ariel was told by the county common pleas court judge Michael Russo, quote, you will not be getting out. Is that clear? End quote. To which Ariel responded, quote, I do understand, your honor. End quote. During this plea bargain and this conversation with the judge, Ariel made comments about his, quote, addiction to pornography and sexual problem, end quote. Yeah, okay. However, he was cut off by this Judge Russo, who said such issues could be discussed at the August 1st sentencing hearing. He's like, I don't want to fucking hear this right now. No, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> fucking blame you. Yeah. He's like, no, Asshole. no, no. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, fuck that guy. Not the time, not the place. Shut yeah. up. Yep. No one cares about your problems. So around this time, a law firm that was representing Amanda, Gina, and Michelle released a statement that said the three women were, quote, relieved by today's plea. They are satisfied by this resolution to the case 
and are looking forward to having these legal proceedings draw to a final close in the near future, end quote. Okay. Well, that's good if they're satisfied, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're not to the sentencing hearing yet. Okay. So at the sentencing hearing on August 1st, Ariel is sentenced to consecutive life terms in prison plus a thousand years, mm-hmm. all without any possibility of parole. So exactly what the plea bargain was. Okay. He is also fined $100,000. The court also forfeited all of his property and assets to the Cuyahoga County government. Okay. Before his sentencing, Ariel addressed the court for nearly 20 minutes. Why? During this time, he said he was, quote, a good person. No, he's not. And, quote, unquote, not a monster. What the fuck are you talking? You are the definition of a of a monster. Yeah. You're a horrible human being, if you could even call him that. Yeah. He says he was addicted to sex and pornography and had, quote, unquote, practiced the art of masturbation from a young age. Who the fuck cares? I don't care. I know. He also claimed that he had never beaten or tortured these women and actually insisted that most of the sex that he had with them was quote-unquote consensual. I'm sure. Yeah. What a bold thing to say, you idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe, I can't even believe that. I know. So he also shifted between apologizing and blaming the FBI for failing to catch him. What an idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for the people in that room that had to sit there and listen to him talk for 20 minutes. Yeah, me too. Other things that he said, he actually blamed the victims themselves for getting in a car with a stranger. Piece of shit. Uh-huh. Along with insisting to the court where he, that when he had sex with them, he discovered they were not virgins. Like that was going to change the fucking point of view. What the fuck? Yeah. What a bizarre fucking... Yeah, I don't know. What a fucking bizarre thing to say. Yeah. I can't even believe anything that... What, what you, there's no way to justify this behavior anyway, but even to just talk about it, you yeah. know? Just like, shut up, dude. No one gives a shit. Yeah. Ariel also, during this 20-minute rambling stupid shit that he was doing, he would shift back into apologetic comments saying stuff like, quote... I hope they can find in their hearts to forgive me because we had a lot of harmony going on in that home, end quote. Yeah, it sounds like it. What a literal piece of human fucking garbage. I don't understand why he would even why he would even say any of that. I don't know. So the sentencing judge also heard from Michelle and family members of Amanda and Gina before Mm -hmm. placing his sentence. And Michelle addressed Ariel flat out. She said, quote, You took 11 years of my life away. I spent 11 years in hell. Now your hell is just beginning. I will overcome all that has happened, but you will face hell for eternity. I will live on. You will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget, end quote. Damn. Yeah. That's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think I could forgive them. No. Hell no. Fuck no. Like, that takes a lot to be able to forgive someone that did all of that. Nope. So let's talk a little about what these lovely woman survivors have been able to do since the fact. Oh, God, I hope it's something great. So Michelle, Amanda, and Gina released a video statement on July 9th of 2013 thanking the public for their support. An attorney that was representing both Amanda and Gina said that the women, quote, still have a strong desire for privacy, end quote, and did not wish to speak to the media about their ordeal, which makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in the fucking media's eye. Mm -mm. The Cleveland Courage Fund was a bank account set up to help these women in their transition into independent life, which collected approximately $1.05 million at the time that this video was released. Wow. Yeah. Good. So a little tidbit before Amanda's disappearance, her grandfather had promised to give her a classic Chevrolet Monte Carlo built in the year that she was born when she graduated or whatever the special occasion was going to be. Mm -hmm. He kept the car after she went missing in case she was ever found. Did she, was she able to get the car? Did, was he still around and everything? Yep. He still had it for her when she was released, although it was in need of some restoration from being unused. Several auto shops actually offered to perform this restoration for free for her too. Good. That's so awesome. That's great. I think it's a really cool thing for him to do for her period. And it kind of breaks my heart that like he held on to it the whole time. Yeah. Like, she was missing for nine years. And you know that man looked at that car every day. Oh, definitely. And was just like... He just thought of her, for sure. Yeah. Oh. Like, he fully believed that she was going to be found. And she was. Yep. That's awesome. hmm Michelle discussed some of her ordeals in an interview with People Magazine about a year after the release. hmm As well as her life leading up to her abduction. And that's where... A lot of our background that we know comes from. And since Michelle's rescue, she has legally changed her name. Uh, She got a couple tattoos as her way of like coping with the healing process of going through everything in her life. Not just what happened with Ariel, but literally from living in a car to living under a bridge to the best thing in her life being a drug dealer to Joey to Ariel. Yeah. Michelle also revealed that because she was gone and not able to get her son back Mm -hmm. Uh, joey was placed in foster care and then he was eventually adopted by his foster parents well that's that's good ish you know that's and all that happened while she was in captivity plans on seeing him after he becomes an adult if he wants to okay Uh, michelle had planned to open up a restaurant and dreamed of getting married in this interview is what she was kind of saying her aspirations were going to be. And she was able to do both of these things in 2016. Fantastic. Uh, she hopes to adopt children in the future as years of abuse and torture that Ariel had brought upon her have made it unlikely for her to ever give birth again. Amanda and Gina received honorary diplomas from the John Marshall High School in 2015 that they would have or did go to. Good. In an interview with WKYC, 
Gina said that she is currently volunteering for the Amber Alert Committee, offering comfort to families of abducted children. Good. Yeah, it's reported that she remains really close with Amanda and her family. In February of 2017, Amanda joined the staff of a Fox News affiliate in Cleveland, where she hosts short recurring segments in which she reports missing person cases in order to help families reunite missing family members. Good. Like full circle for her. Like now she's helping. That's awesome. Yeah. In April of 2019, Amanda reunited with Charles Ramsey, the neighbor who helped kick the door down and let her out mm-hmm. six years after the rescue. And they did an interview on that same Fox News affiliate station in Cleveland. So they're just leading normal lives. Michelle actually went on to write two books, which we'll link in the show notes. And they're mostly about her life, what she went through, the healing process, her life now, all of that, those things. Okay. So the house. Mm-hmm. 2207 Seymour Avenue. As part of the plea bargain, Ariel gave his assets away, which included the house. And on August 7th, 2013, just three months after the girls were rescued, mm-hmm. the house comes down. Good. Michelle was there handing out yellow balloons to all the spectators in support of the children that are still missing. Mm-hmm. The balloons were released right before Gina's aunt took the first swing of the demolition with a crane. Oh, good. That That's awesome. Right? Yeah. So for a while, until the Google Maps was updated, Google actually blurred the house. Wow, I never would have thought of that. Yeah, you couldn't see it. Now when you look at it, it's literally just a plot of land. As of November 2020, there is still no house. It is just a plot of green grass. So let's talk about what happened to Ariel. Yeah. So a thousand years plus life, right? Yep. Crazy shit. On September 3rd, 2013, just one month into his life sentence, Uh he is found hanging from a bed sheet in his detention cell at Correctional Reception Center in Orient, Ohio. I don't know how to feel about that. He was 53 at the time of his death. Prison staff performed CPR on him before he was taken to the local medical center in Columbus where he was pronounced dead. The following day, Franklin County Coroner Jan Gorniak announced that a preliminary autopsy had found the cause of Castro's death to be suicide by hanging, and he was later cremated. All right. Well, we don't, no one has to worry about him anymore. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of like back and forth in October of 2013. The Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction actually releases a report that suggests Ariel may have died accidentally from autoerotic asphyxiation rather than suicide. The coroner rejects this possibility, stands by her ruling of suicide. Um, Why would they even suggest that? Who cares? So it was a little weird. The report also said that two prison guards had falsified logs documenting their observation of cash of Ariel hours before he was found dead. While he was not on actual suicide watch, 
he was subjected to routine checks every 30 minutes due to the notoriety in the case. Yeah. A consultant's report that was released on December 3rd and officially concluded that, quote, all available evidence pointed to suicide, including a shrine-like arrangement of family pictures, a Bible and aerial cell, an increasing tone of frustration in his prison journal, and the reality of spending the rest of his life in prison while subject to constant harassment, end quote. Wow. Do you know how ironic that is? Right. He, had he, to, he didn't want to be constantly harassed and stuck in a prison, huh? Yeah, so there are many books on this case, like tons and tons of books. I found like eight different ones that were on this case, um, as well as there's documentaries, there's TV reenactments, there's even a Lifetime movie about this. However, the books that we're going to link in the show notes are the ones that are written by Michelle Knight. And unfortunately, as of today... Ashley Summers is still listed as missing, so we will be posting her missing poster. So, all of you guys, so all of you guys can share it and hopefully try to get her case resolved for her loved ones. So, okay, and that's it. That is the House of Horrors, the Cleveland Monster, the Human Fucking Garbage, or the Amazing Survivor Tale yeah, of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, Jocelyn, and Gina De Jesus. That's, I like that that's, one better. That's what this is. Yeah. Yep. If you guys enjoyed listening to this week's episode, we'd really appreciate you heading on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, and rate the show five stars. Write a review if you can. The words are for us. The stars are for them. Be sure to follow Late Night Murder on any of the social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Late Night Murder Podcast, Twitter at LN Murder Podcast, or you can visit the link in the bio to send us a case submission. The show will always be free, but if you wanted to show extra support, head over to our Patreon and check that out. We have mini episodes, full-length episodes, all kinds of bonus content over there as well. You can listen to Late Night Murder Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to join us next week where we will be heading back out of the U.S. Can you guess where we're going? Me? Yeah, you. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were talking to listeners. No, I don't know where we're going. Where we will be going to Perth, Australia, and talking about the Morehouse murders. Oh, interesting. Okay. Ah, so join us next week. All right. Okay, bye. Bye, guys.